We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ready? Down! Hut, 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 hut. This is the Bear Report Podcast. With Zach Pearson, Zach Pearson, and Aaron Lemming, Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears. Go Bears! Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming. Welcome in, Bears fans, to another edition of the Bear Report podcast. The Chicago Bears just wrapped up another practice in the second week of OTAs, and it was a big one for one of their quarterbacks on the field. We'll get into all that and cover that in a little bit in this podcast. Before we get things going here, i got to bring in my co-host, Aaron Lemming. Aaron, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. It's uh, I don't know about Chicago, but it's finally starting to heat up a little bit here, and I am not a big fan of summer. It is very hot here, too. I think we've been in the 90s pretty much seven days in a row. And, yeah, it's brutal, man. It is absolutely brutal. Yeah, I do. I, I hate summer. But the good news is, at least, I mean, we're almost halfway through June already. I mean, we're getting getting decently close. And, you know, training camp's getting, you know, getting decently close, which means football season's close. And, I mean, that's that's about the best we can ask for. Plus, the White Sox and I think the Cubs are still in first place, right? Uh, the Cubs are half game back. Milwaukee's on like some red hot tear where they haven't played like a team above 500 in two weeks and they won't play a team above 500 until like the end of the month. So well, the Cubs are right there, but yeah. you're right. But I mean, the main point is we just wrapped up the second media session of OTAs and that means next week, everything is pretty much mandatory for the players. So we'll have a lot more to cover in route to training camp later on in July. Well, thank God for that. <laughs> this is crazy, man. Yep. I mean, the, the, I mean, we kind of talked about it last week, but the whole, you know, voluntary stuff, and all of a sudden it's become voluntary. And and, and may, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like the majority of players are actually physically there. It's just a matter of a lot of these guys aren't really taking the physical risks in terms of being out on the field to practice, but they're still going through the meetings and all that. Is that right? I think they're going through the meetings virtually. I. It's a little confusing because I think Matt Nagy said something today um, where he's like, I'm kind of getting done with virtual meetings. We're ready to get back into all, um, you know, in-person stuff. But in terms of like working out, I can't confirm that. I do know he said Eddie Goldman's been in the building. He said Nick Foles has been in the building. Um, Tariq Cohen and Anthony Miller didn't practice, but they were both there in street clothes kind of helping out um, with drills. But as far as everyone else, like Khalil Mack and, you know, Akeem Hicks and those guys, 
I don't know for sure if they are in the building, but they are in, um, I believe they are in the virtual meetings. I don't, I'm guessing they probably in the in-person meetings too. They're just not doing the on the field stuff. That's kind of how I took it. See, I'd love to know out of all the players, I think, you know, for the most part, a lot of them, you know, is somewhat understandable. The one guy that I'm really curious about, and I feel like the bears are hiding something or whatever it is, is Nick Foles. I mean, dude, you're making $7 million to be the third string quarterback. Um, You know, I just, it's like, maybe, maybe it is personal, but it's just kind of interesting because I thought last week Nagy said something about that he was, you know, he was going to be out uh, last week or, you know, a few days for personal stuff, but he's going to be back this week. And then today, didn't he say basically the same thing again, that he's still out on personal stuff and he's not there. I don't, that's the one I don't understand because he's getting $7 million to basically do nothing. Like what, what are you, what are you holding out from? It's an expensive uh, mentor and camp arm essentially right now because he is a third string quarterback and he hasn't been there. And you're right, Matt Nagy said last week that he thinks he'll be here this week because he's dealing with a personal issue. He said the exact same thing today when we met him with the media. He said he will be back hopefully next week. So I don't know. It's a little weird because you're right, dude. He's getting paid a lot of money uh, to essentially be another mind in that quarterback room. And he's kind of taken over now in a way, as weird as it sounds, he's kind of taken over the Tyler Bray uh, role, but it's a lot more of an expensive role for the bears to have. I, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if the bears are trying to, I assume they're, you know, fielding calls on him. If anyone needs another quarterback, I don't know if he's maybe trying to force his way out. I have no clue what's going on, but it's a little odd not seeing him out there. Um, you know, we always take, you know, attendance and kind of uh, tweet it out on Twitter, all the beat reporters. And I can't tell you how many times over the past two weeks now I've gotten when I mentioned Foles and it, who cares about Foles? Who cares? Well, yeah, I mean, in a way, you know, it's pretty much worst case scenario. Foles has to hit the field this season for the Bears. But also, you know, it does matter because his salary cap hit is pretty large and his contract's pretty damn big. Well, yeah, he's making almost $7 million this year to, again, like to basically sit on the bench and play, you know, whether it's Tyler Bray or whether it's the Mark Sanchez role. I mean, not only is he going to be taking up, you know, six point, I think it's $6.67 million in cap space this year that they can absolutely 100% use, but he's also going to be taking up a roster spot on the 53 man roster that they can use elsewhere because usually you don't carry three quarterbacks. And again, it's just one of those things like I, and this is kind of where I wish the bears would be more honest in terms of, you know, if he's not there because he didn't want to be there, say it. If he's really got an issue, say it. But And that's kind of the thing with the Bears is you just you don't know what's going on. But it just, I don't know, the, the inconsistency of, you know, if he's supposed to be the mentor and he's supposed to be one of those guys, I mean, you'd think that he would, you know, that he would be there. I don't know. It's just the whole thing. And again, I'm not accusing him of anything because obviously we don't know one way or another. I just find him out of everybody to be missing is the one that I find a little strange. Um, I don't know. Again, it's, it's all voluntary. So I guess it is what it is, but it's just, I don't know. It's weird. But I mean, speaking of the quarterback situation, obviously we'll get into the bear stuff, but I also think it might be kind of interesting just to talk about, and this has kind of become a national headline is the, the Packers situation because, you know, now Aaron Rodgers is, you know, actually a holdout because they went in the mandatory camp this week 
and Jordan Love has been taking all the number one snaps, I guess, at least according to everything that I've read. He's actually been taking more than the typical number one snaps would be taking right now, obviously trying to get him up to speed, which tells me that the Packers are maybe not quite as confident as they're acting like in the press. But two, you know, Jordan Love, at least yesterday, according to all practice reports, was flat out terrible. And then today it sounded like he was really good. So it's going to be, it's kind of interesting. I don't know. I, I'm kind of curious on your perspective on this, but it's kind of interesting that, you know, obviously we've all got our eyes on the bears quarterback situation because of Justin Fields and the Andy Dalton thing and everything else that's going on. But it seems like there's a lot of positivity around the bears right now. There's a lot of optimism around the bears right now. And for the first time, and man, I can't even remember how long, probably in, in our lifetimes, really, now all the negative publicity and everything else is focused solely on the Packers right now and their quarterback situation, which I find kind of weird. Yeah. So uh, I saw th- something on uh, Good Morning America or Good Morning Football today. I think it was Peter Schrager was saying, like, you know, the, the real losers in the situation is Packers fans. I don't feel bad for Packers fans at all in this situation. They've had 30 years of Hall of Fame quarterback play between Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. I'm with you, man. It's just kind of nice to see another team go through a little uh, quarterback adversity, whether or not Rodgers does show up and eventually plays for them. At least they're getting a taste of it because no matter what happens this summer, I think if Aaron Rodgers plays for the Packers this year, this is it. This is the goodbye tour. It's totally done. I also think there's a chance that he's actually done. He's just not going to show up. He's either going to play somewhere else this year or he might just take the year off. And I know that sounds kind of ridiculous. Why would he take a year off at what, 37 years old? He doesn't look like he's going to budge right now. Uh, and things don't look good in Green Bay. I was joking with a couple of people today um, in the media at, at Bears practice. And I said, you know, with the limited access we get with the Bears, it's almost been more fun following the Packers storylines in terms of a Bears aspect than it is following these Bears OTAs because of just what's going on. And their reporters have a little more access up there in Green Bay. So we're getting to see the reports from yesterday of Jordan Love. Today, I guess he had a better day um, overall from the quarterback spot, but it's just... It's very interesting and very intriguing to kind of see another team that's had quarterback success for 30 years kind of face a little adversity. And I feel like it's getting to a couple of their fans, like the fans I see on Twitter. It kind of feels like their tone is like they're just kind of not ready to admit that there is a legit shot that Aaron Rodgers does not play for them this year and at the you know very least after next year. Well, I mean, let's just be honest here. And I, and I, I don't blame them because I'm sure we would, you know, we as Bears fans would be in a very similar position, you know, or you know, have very similar feelings if we're in the same position. But it feels like a lot of Packers fans are in denial right now. And, exactly. and it's kind of like I get it, but I don't because it's one of those situations where, I mean, this the story on Aaron Rodgers is pretty well known at this point. And again, this is not to slam on the guy because, you know, only one side of the story has been told, but – I mean, the fact is, I mean, he cut off his entire family years ago without issue. So it's it's kind of a situation. And the only reason I bring that up is because, you know, that should kind of give you an idea if if that is something that he is willing to do on his own convictions with his own family, 
then what the heck is going to, what is stopping him from doing that with a team that he has said through multiple outlets and the multiple people that he wants nothing to do with anymore. And, and again, you know, it goes back to, you know, and, and that's kind of the, that's the other thing that I find kind of funny with the Packers fan situation is everybody. So, oh, you know, Adam Schefter's a fraud and he's just creating stuff. And it's like, okay, so here's the thing. And I'm sure some people saw it. So Adam Schefter went on, I think it was Dan Patrick and basically said, well, it wasn't really a report per se is just me pooling a bunch of, you know, basically a bunch of talk around the league and realizing this is what it is. And, and a lot of people kind of took that as, you know, disingenuous and, you know, maybe even somewhat irresponsible, whatever it may be. The reality of it is, is regardless of how he went about it or whatever it may be, there was clearly some issues. And, you know, let's just put it this way. If Adam Schefter hadn't put that out on draft day, and all of a sudden, we had no clue about any of this. And then Aaron Rodgers randomly holds out this week. Everybody would be like, whoa, what's going on? And, but the fact is, I mean, you know, regardless, again, of how Schefter got the information, how he went about it, how, how the entire thing happened, the fact is he still had the information, right? So it's kind of funny to see them, you know, blaming, you know, Adam Schefter and discrediting him as, I mean, he's really the most connected guy in the NFL. But kind of going back to the Aaron Rodgers situation, it's, it's one of those things where I – at this point, I mean, you have to you have to realize that there's some uh, realness to it. Obviously, I mean, he's not just holding out uh, in you know mandatory OTAs, and I mean, he lost out on I think it was a the five hundred thousand dollars with a workout bonus, and he can lose up to I think it's right around a hundred thousand um, dollars from holding out for OTAs. And obviously, you know, the team has the opportunity to either take it or leave it in terms of whether they're going to find him or not until they get in a training camp. And then it's a mandatory $50,000 fine each day for the time that he misses plus millions of dollars and other things when he misses preseason games and into the season. But the thing is to me is that I, I feel like, and this is kind of a twofold thing. And this is something I was talking about on Twitter the other day is when you, when you look at this situation, one, I, I feel like, and again, obviously last offseason was weird. You know, Jordan Love was the number three quarterback. He basically saw virtually no snaps because obviously there was nothing except for training camp last year. There's no preseason. Uh, he sat as the number three quarterback all year, basically didn't get hardly any reps um, during training camp last year was literally in a scratchy uh, scratch, a, a healthy scratch and inactive every single week. He was on the 53 man roster, but he was, you know, a healthy and active every single week, all, all 16 weeks that they played last year, including, you know, or in, into the playoffs or however many games that is. It, it's kind of one of those situations where I think it's a twofold thing. If, if Jordan love, if they felt truly confident that Jordan love was their answer, I think that they would be much more willing to say, okay, if you don't want to be here, Aaron Rodgers, we're going to trade you. And I think the other aspect of this, too, is, as it's been reported multiple times now, this isn't just a money situation. It's been it's been reported multiple times that the Packers have offered him big deals to make him the highest paid player in NFL history, and he hasn't taken it. So it's not just a money. It's not just a money aspect. You know, it's kind of like this whole Deshaun Watson thing, and obviously, a lot of the focus has gone away from Watson demanding a trade because of all the sexual assault allegations and everything else that's going on. I mean, honestly, at this point, I think we'd all be pretty surprised to see him play this season, but 
it's a very similar situation. Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to be there. There's core fundamental issues within the Packers organization that he does not agree with. And basically the speculation is that he wants Brian Gutenkunz fired and even probably their team president. I can't remember. I think Mark Murphy's his name, right? So there's issues there. And then Mark Murphy comes out last week and basically says Aaron Rodgers has divided the fan base. I mean, those are just the kind of things and you, 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 culminate all of that together and then you add on the fact that in my opinion two of the most connected guys to the Packers which would be Rob Dem- uh, it was Dembowski uh, from ESPN and Tyler Dunn um, who's written for multiple publications I think he's got his own website now has actually put out some really really good articles um, and they both basically believe that he's not coming back I mean they both have said like if they had to put money on it they think he's done Tyler Dunn had a, had a piece in his article the other day that was basically he talked to a former executive of the Packers who still knows the organization well and knows Aaron Rodgers very well, who's basically said there's no way Aaron Rodgers is coming back. He's done. So I just – and the only reason I think it's worth bringing this up outside of the fact you know, that obviously the Packers are the Bears' biggest rivals and obviously things haven't gone the Bears' way for the better part of you know 10 or 15 years now in terms of the rivalry. But I think the bigger aspect here of this is, you know, and we've talked about this a lot during this offseason, is, you know, realistically, if Aaron Rodgers plays for the Packers this year, even if he's not playing at an MVP level like he did last year, the Packers are runaway favorites for the NFC North. But all of a sudden, if Aaron Aaron Rodgers isn't the quarterback of the Packers, whether he holds out, retires, or they finally cave in and they trade him, then all of a sudden the division not only opens up wide open this year, but you're talking about a complete landscape change. You know, obviously we hope that that Justin Fields is the guy for the Bears and they finally find their their franchise quarterback. But the biggest thing there is, is that you've got a, a team in Detroit that's rebuilding that doesn't have a lot of answers, and it's going to take a while for them to figure it out. Minnesota is already trying to move away from Kirk Cousins when they're able to do so, which you know obviously hints at the, the Kellen Mond pick, and they're kind of in the middle of a retool as well. It's like all of a sudden, the NFC North opens up su- substantially. I don't care how good of a, a roster the Packers have, and I think they have a very good roster. I don't care how good of a roster they have. We've seen you can have a top-end roster all the way around, but if you don't have the quarterback situation figured out, then you're not going to be a very good team. And, I mean, ultimately, Trubisky played at least at an average level in 2018. Um, I I think at least from the reports that we've heard, whether it be Blake Bortles or Jordan Love right now, I mean, it doesn't look good for the Packers if Aaron Rodgers isn't there. So I just think it's a very interesting situation to monitor because it's not only something for this year, it's something to monitor moving forward because the Packers are already in a very questionable cap situation moving into next year and beyond. Devontae Adams is about to come out of contract this next year, and he said that you know Aaron Rodgers staying or going is going to weigh very heavily into his decision. And like you pointed out, even if Aaron Rodgers does somehow come back this year, this is probably it. So I, it's going to be a very interesting situation to monitor just for the simple fact that, you know, based on the people that you should be trusting right now, it does not sound like Aaron Rodgers is coming back, which means huge things for the Bears this year and beyond, which is fantastic. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I mean, you're right. If Aaron Rodgers returns, obviously the Packers are favorites. If not, you know, it's going to be a pretty much wide open division. And the quarterback landscape in the NFC North is a very interesting one. You mentioned the names there. I imagine the Lions are going to be in um, the mix for a quarterback next year. And that class, you know, features uh, Spencer Rattler, Sam Howell, uh, Keaton Slovis out of USC, and a couple other intriguing prospects. So, it's definitely a storyline to watch and, and certainly one for every NFC North team to watch as well. Um, yeah, I'm just going to be kind of fascinating to see how this plays out. And I think training camp will really give us the big indication of what's going to happen. If he shows up, I think he's going to be playing for the Packers next year If he do, or this season. If he doesn't you know, show up on the first or second day, it's going to be very, very interesting because eventually you know, someone's going to have to give him. The Packers are going to have to give him the or Rogers going to have to give in. And right now, man, I just, I, I, I couldn't tell you what's going to happen, but it, it's certainly an interesting one to watch on the yeah. other side of thing. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say it, it is because we know we have a track record of, yep. of how Aaron Rodgers is. And I think that's the most important aspect in this entire thing is that, and again, it's not a slam on him. He's just strong in his convictions. Aaron yep. Rodgers is going to do what Aaron Rodgers is going to do. And rightfully of- so. He's earned it. Yeah, exactly. And, and this is outside of his new girlfriend or fiance or whatever they are and, and, and you know, all the stuff that he's been doing in Hawaii. It's just, I don't know. I think that maybe, maybe I'm being biased. I hope I'm not being biased because I've been trying to be objective throughout this entire thing. But it feels, this just feels different. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but this just feels different to me. Yeah, no, no, it does. I, it all started with that report on draft night. You're right, man. If there, you know, Schefter was right on it. He doesn't really tweet stuff out or, or go on live TV and break news like that unless there was any substance to it. So, yeah, man, and, and you know, it's pretty obvious, but the Packers need Aaron Rodgers more than Aaron Rodgers needs the Packers. So we'll have to see how this is going to play out. Um, but on the other side of things, Aaron, Man, it's just actually fun to have a quarterback prospect here in Chicago that gives you some hope. And Wednesday was another sign of that. A rookie minicamp, everyone raved about Justin Fields, and it was only rookie minicamp. You know, he was going up against rookies, and rightfully so in, in OTAs, most of the defense is not there. Um, Tashawn Gibson returned. Roquan Smith is there. Desmond Trufant, Kendall Vilder is there, even though Vilder was not out there practicing. But Justin Fields stole the show today, and it was fascinating watching him play or practice out there, getting the reps with the second team, and just looking very accurate and looking in command and looking in control. And then after practice, you know, everything that the media was tweeting, everything that Matt Nagy was saying, it was a hell of an hour or two on Twitter. And just for me, man, it was just 
excitement. It, I can just feel the excitement from the from Bears fans just in the responses to my tweets and responses to other people's tweets. Well, I think it. You know, a lot of this again. You want to talk about stuff that feels different. There's just something about Justin Fields that feels different. You know, the, there's just something. And that's the thing is, you know, and kind of going back to 2017 when Trubisky is drafted. And this is not meant to crap on him at all, but. You know, one of the biggest mistakes that I think I made, um, and, and a lot of people were in the same boat. I don't know if you were, but going back to 2017, the focus was so hard on Trubisky should be starting week one, right? Which there's nothing wrong with that. I don't have an issue with that at all. I don't think that was a mistake, but I think the mistake was made where instead of saying, okay, Trubisky looks really good. Like he looks like he's ready to start. It was... Well, he looks better than Mike Glennon. Well, anybody looked better than Mike Glennon. I'm sure Mark Sanchez, if he had got a real shot, would have looked better than Mike Glennon. And I think that moving forward, you know, and obviously this hasn't been the case so far, but moving forward, you know, we need to be cautious with once we get into training camp and once we get in the preseason, not judging and saying, okay, well, Justin Fields looked better than Andy Dalton, so he should start. It should be Justin Fields looks good. He's doing the right things. He looks like he should be starting right now, regardless of what Andy Dalton's doing. And at least from what I've seen from you and from, you know, the different people who have been at practice that have, you know, kind of spoken on him and even listening to Matt Nagy and some of these players talk, it just, it just feels different. It sounds like, you know, obviously we're ways away and there wasn't a whole lot of defensive players there that are starting defensive players today. I get that. But it sounds like Justin Fields just has a different feel about him. And this is not going to be a situation where we're hoping he's better than Andy Dalton and disregarding everything else. Am I right? Yeah, I mean, you're totally right. I, it feels like, you know, it's kind of go back last week and we talked about the practice. I said it was very hard to evaluate both quarterbacks just because, you know, what's out there. And that's in terms of them being good. You could still have bad days. I mean, you can have good days out there too. But the important factors to look at is accuracy, how comfortably look out there, um, how, how much command they are for that offense things like that, and if they're making any mistakes. And the one thing Justin Fields didn't do today is he didn't make a mistake. He threw an interception last week in the practice that we saw. He didn't throw any today. Andy Dalton threw three interceptions today in seven-on-seven drills. And Deshaun Gibson picked him off on a ball that it looked like it was thrown right to a Gibson. He broke on the route, and it was just right there for him. I don't know if there was a little miscommunication, but it just wasn't a good throw. It was picked off another like out route or something like that um, for the for – the, second or third one, but Justin Fields, he looked like he was in total control and he was sharp. He was accurate. He was hitting the right reads. He was putting the ball in the money. We heard what Matt Nagy said that throw Matt Nagy raved about that deep throw to Demir bird down the sidelines and said that ball just, you know, it just took off and bird made a nice catch on it, but it was right there. It was an accurate deep ball. Watching these practices over the last three to four years, I may have seen one or two or three accurate deep balls from any of the quarterbacks that were here. They just, in the drills, they just were not very accurate. And so far, you know, in rookie minicamp, Fields had one of Daz Newsome. I think he had one last week, maybe, yeah, maybe last week. And then he had at least one today. And he was just putting the ball right in the money. He, you know, there was two drops for incompletions. 
but the ball was right on the money and, and the receiver should have had it hit him right in the hands. These aren't drops where, you know, he's raising one arm up and trying to make a one handed catch. These were drops where they either just kind of mistiming, mistimed the jump just a split second or just flat out hit him in the hands and they dropped it. He was accurate. And the other thing I love to see was he took command out there. There was a play where there was a false start and he, and he talked to the line or whoever had the false start. And there was another play where a wide receiver was confused and he had to reset the whole play. It took his time to get the wide receiver into the right position. And that's just something you don't really see too much from young quarterbacks unless they're special young quarterbacks. And Man, I hate, like, I, I don't want to say, you know, he's it. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's going to be a legend. He's going to be a special quarterback. But right now, for the first couple of weeks from what I've seen, he looks a lot more advanced at the position than Trubisky did or any other quarterback right now um, has looked, you know, for the Bears over the last couple of years. Well, I think, you know, going back to just the pre-draft evaluation of Justin Fields, I, I, you know, and, and we and we talked about it when we had when we had our guest on that has covered Ohio State for damn near three decades now or over three decades, and what I because I, I, this is the thing, and I think you've kind of wondered the same. I think a lot of Bears fans have wondered the same thing. Like, what the hell happened during the pre-draft process to where everybody overthought Justin Fields? And it's one of those things where I've seen. The criticisms I've seen is that sometimes he holds on to the ball too long and he's not as, you know, he, he, he doesn't throw, he doesn't always throw with anticipation very well. And his, his, uh, you know, basically his um, arm action is, is long and, you know, blah, 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 blah. But again, like it, it's one of those situations where when you look at his body of work over the two years, I mean, his, his transfer from Georgia was 100% justifiable. I mean, that's been out there for a while now. Like when you really start looking, I mean, he's 6'3", he's 225. I mean, he's actually dropped weight. He dropped weight in his senior year when he went to a plant-based diet. He was sitting right around like 235. And now he's, I think he's at like 225. He's a well-built dude. He's super intelligent. He came from a really good family. He's got a really, you know, he's just, he's super grounded. Like there is literally in terms of character flaws, in terms of everything else, there's absolutely nothing wrong with the kid. I mean, just, I mean, if you go back and you look, even going back to high school, he's been a prodigy in Georgia. Him and Trevor Lawrence were basically number one and number two. I mean, Lawrence came out, you know, was a year behind him in, in high school, but Justin Fields has always been the guy. Like he, and that's kind of the thing when you go back and sometimes I think it's kind of about fit too. And don't get me wrong. Like I had a very high grade on Zach Wilson. I love, and granted, I mean, he was kind of a one-year wonder and we got to see how that's going to work. And I mean, the last few one-year wonders have worked out pretty well. I mean, Joe Burrow had a pretty dang good rookie season before getting hurt. And I mean, you can just kind of go, you can go back of, you know, a few years and kind of see, but you know, Zach Wilson's biggest thing to me was, and this is, again, we only know so much, but when you start going back through some of these quarterbacks, I mean, as far as Trevor Lawrence goes, I don't really think there's any criticisms or flaws or anything that you can really say outside of maybe he's a little overhyped, but I mean, he's got everything that you would want in a quarterback, which is why he's been basically, you know, regarded as the, you know, best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck or Peyton Manning, however you want to view that. 
But then you start looking at these other quarterbacks not named Trevor Lawrence, and I think that there's a knock on every single one, a clear knock on every single one of them. Obviously, with with Zach Wilson, I think the big thing was, you know, kind of the the one-year wonder, um, and then, you know, he's got all the arm talent in the world. He's got, you know, really good athleticism, but then the mental aspect, you know, even with his family, his mom's a little little nutty from everything that we've seen. And, you know, how well is that going to play in a big market with uh, – you know, coming from BYU, BYU is not a very big school. And, you know, in terms of like popularity and, and, and the stage that he played on and the opponents that he faced. And you look at a guy like Trey Lance, who again came from a smaller school at North Dakota State, uh, was virtually a one year starter, really didn't have that many actual passes. Um, and obviously, you look at a guy in Mac Jones, who again was kind of a one plus year wonder as well, or starter more of the point, and came from a really good offense and just a dominating team. And then you look at a guy like Justin Fields, where yeah, don't get me wrong. There were moments last year in 2020 against Indiana and against Northwestern where he made some really questionable decisions or he made some really questionable throws. There's there's no doubt about that. But again, you know, it kind of goes back to Deshaun Watson in 2018 where I think you can kind of look at Justin Fields and say and, and draw a lot of parallels between the fact that they're playing for big schools, they had it all. They were, you know, they the the product was always there, but there was always some overthought process behind it. And I think with Justin Fields, again, yes, it's completely valid that you can say he's got, you know, a, a longer throwing motion than than you'd want. Sometimes he doesn't throw great with anticipation. Sometimes he holds onto the ball too long. Sometimes he he takes unnecessary hits. Okay, that's cool. And you can also say, okay, you know, he had some he had some down performances. Uh, you know, against two really good defenses, so on and so forth. But at the same time, you can also go back and you can look at what he did against Clemson after he got hurt and how good he was. And that's the thing is, again, it's a lot like Deshaun Watson where people had knocks on him, but you can go back and find other games where he eliminated those type of concerns. And, and it's just, it's going to be very interesting to me as we move forward down the line, and I know this has been kind of long-winded, but it's going to be very interesting to see how this quarterback class really kind of plays out. And it's also going to be very interesting to see in terms of fits and, and how everything goes. And you're looking at athleticism and who can fit in the system, who can fit in the city of Chicago, which I think is a big thing as well, which I think maybe that was part of Trubisky's issue as well. And you look at a guy like Justin Fields, and again, really, again, this is kind of a long-winded way of saying that Justin Fields just feels like a quarterback that is meant to play in a place like Chicago, and he just feels different, man. I mean, he just he just simply does, and it's it's really nice from an outside perspective, not being at these practices, to hear all these raving reviews from people who usually can be pretty grounded and some have regarded as negative, basically come out and say, man, this guy looks like the real deal. I can still remember John Moon Mullen uh, – and in rookie minicam in 2017 texting me and telling me it would talk about Trubisky. He said, man, I don't know if this guy has it mentally. Like there's just something about him that I don't know if he has it or not. And I was there at training camp for a week and looking back on it again, I was impressed, but I was more impressed because he looked better than Mike Glennon. And I don't think we're going to have the same issue. And that's not to say that he's going to start week one, but I do think that the, the hope that bears fans have in the ceiling and the, the overall just upside that Justin Fields has feels different, and it feels, most importantly, I think it feels legitimately justifiable. Yeah, you're right. It feels so much different. He's got the qualities you want to see in a young quarterback. As I mentioned, he's accurate. 
He's got a good deep ball. You know, he's got a good arm, good release. He was out there, you know, adjusting his arm angle when he had to on some throws. And he's taking command of this offense and he's helping guys get into key spots. And, you know, players are raving about him. We heard Darnell Mooney today. We heard Damian Williams, uh, you know, Sam Mustafer, Cole Komet all said things positive about him. And, you know, the, the, the telling one was Matt Nagy just for me, man, I know we talked about it a little bit. He just seems in, like he's in such a better mood this week and, and and like the happiest he's been in a long time. I don't know if it was truly because he had to take he, could, he was able to take off his mask and have no mask on outside um or if it was just he loved what he saw from Justin Fields. He was just more upbeat, he was excited. I think he knows he's got a young quarterback that really could be a special player in this league someday. And he's seeing the right things that he saw because I really don't ever remember feeling this good about Mitch Trubisky um, in terms of where he was at with his progression and being a leader, um, accurate on throws, strong arm, things like that. I do know though, it's going to be very fun to watch these next week of the three practices that we're allowed at because assuming everyone's going to be there, he's going to go up against that defense and he's going to go, he's going to have Allen Robinson to throw to things like that. So if he comes out looking really good in, in these three practices, I think he's laid the groundwork at least to make it a legit competition. My only worry is in terms of starting week one, I think the bears are going to make it where, you know, the bar is set so high that he just has to have an incredible camp, an incredible offseason, incredible preseason to win that job. That's just me, though. I, I think it's just going to take a lot, no matter how good he actually looks. Well, so two things. One, the one thing I did notice with Matt Nagy today was when he was asked about the Patrick Mahomes situation in 2017 and how they sat him. And you could kind of tell that there was a little bit of a shift in terms of, and he even was quick to point it out that he said, you know, not all quarterbacks are the same, not all situations are the same. So I, I think that that's at least something worth keeping an eye on. But what I'm curious about on the topic of Matt Nagy is I'm assuming you watched the, uh, the 1920 football drive thing that the bears put out the 26 minute long video. The first one. Yeah. Last week. Yep. Yeah, so what I thought was interesting, and I tweeted this out, and I, but I'm kind of curious on your perspective on it. Um, so during the draft on the ESPN telecast, when the Bears traded up, Lewis Riddick was on there. And keep in mind, Lewis Riddick has been close to Matt Nagy for a while. And it's really been no secret. But um, he pointed out, you know, and he was very, very, you know, he, he just basically, I mean, he was very straightforward about it. He said, whoever this quarterback is, and this is, you know, Booger McFarland who – my God, man, that guy can be so ridiculously out of touch sometimes was pushing Mac Jones and Mel Kuyper was basically saying, I think it's going to be Justin Fields. And Lewis Riddick comes in and says, you know, whoever this quarterback is between Mac Jones and, and Justin Fields, this pick is going to have Matt Nagy's fingerprints all over it. Right. And the original video that we saw, and I remember a lot of people overanalyzing the video at the time. They overanalyzed Justin Fields' reaction because we only saw basically the back half of, you know, kind of the, the emotional high and the, and the, you know, we, we missed the emotional high and we saw kind of the, uh, you know, everybody mellowing out, you know, in the, in the Bears draft room with Matt Nagy kind of, I think he basically like, I think he like hugs one person like a half-hearted hug and then said something to pace and kind of walked off screen. And then Justin Fields, you know, basically keep in mind, obviously. And now we know this, like he already knew that he was getting drafted by the bears. 
he was already surprised. They already had their reaction. And then they sat down in front of the TV in front of, you know, the cameras and basically had to re react uh, when he was actually selected on TV. But then you go back and you watch this, you know, this, this thing that the bears put out and you see the genuine reaction on both sides, right? So you see it from Matt Nagy's point of view. And the thing that I thought was very interesting is I, and Ryan Pace is a more reserved and calculated guy anyway. So my, my expectation of his reaction wasn't very high to begin with, but I, and maybe I'm wrong, but I felt like, you know, what, what Lewis Riddick said and then watching Matt Nagy's reaction and how excited he was and, you know, and just how more upbeat he is. And there was a lot of jokes made last year. And I'm sure you remember this. And I'm sure a lot of people remember this. There are a lot of jokes made last year that it looked like Matt Nagy had aged 10 years last year, you know, going into camp and going through the season, Matt Nagy was more irritable. He was short. He wasn't the same guy. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that he wasn't sure he was going to keep his job because of the quarterback situation. And I feel like to your point, he just feels he seems different. He seems more upbeat. And I think, again, a lot of that is it's not just the feeling of the fans thinking that this is different. I think they truly believe that they have their guy. And the biggest difference between the decision that they made in 2017 with Trubisky and the decision now is that Matt Nagy has been a disciple of Andy Reid. He has seen good quarterbacks. He has seen what he, you know, what he wants. He had a higher evaluation on Patrick Mahomes than he did uh, Mitchell Trubisky. He saw that process through, and now he's getting to get his own guy in Chicago. And I truly believe, and this is not just me saying this, I truly believe that Justin Fields was the consensus quarterback in, in, in the Bears, you know, in the Bears draft room. But I also believe that he was a consensus quarterback for Matt Nagy. And I think Matt Nagy is absolutely thrilled uh, with being able to get Justin Fields. Yeah, I got that vibe too from watching that episode because, you know, you could just tell, like, that's his guy. Mitch Trubisky wasn't his guy. Matt Nagy was not here when Mitch Trubisky picked him. And, you know, he's finally got the chance to work with a young first-round pick, a guy that, you know, was probably after Trevor Lawrence, probably the top guy on their board, um, and someone that Matt Nagy knows, hey, I can really turn into an even more special player than he already is. So I think, yeah, Matt, Matt Nagy's just probably living on cloud nine right now, just just – He's delighted and he can't probably be more happier than what he's from what he's seeing right now, because, you know, Justin Fields is performing well and, and he's, he's probably at the spot where the bears want him to be. Um, and then it's going to be time to kind of gear it up a little bit. Yeah. I, I just, you know, to go back to that point, I, I did kind of feel that vibe as well. Um, watching that show and, you know, it just, it feels like a lot, you know, it feels like Matt Nagy knows he bought himself a little time, but not only that, but, that he also has the piece in place because you got the guy. That's one thing. You, you, everything fell into your lap to go up and get the guy, but now you have to develop him, and now you have to turn him in, into the star quarterback and help him progress to where he can be the best quarterback in this division. He can be among the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and that's going to take a little time. But so far, the returns look pretty good early on the Justin Fields era here in OTAs and rookie. I camp. agree. I, I, you know, really, what this is coming down to, and again, I mean, we'll we'll get to see this more in training camp or preseason. I mean, we're like I said, we're almost in the middle of June. I mean, we're yep. the the dark times are almost over, at least to the the point of lack of information. You know, we're about a month, a little over a month and a half away. So. Really, you know, if anything, and obviously we'll be back next week and you'll have seen a heck of a lot more in terms yep. of, you know, how the team looks. But 
Drink it in, Bears fans. Enjoy yeah. the optimism. Have fun. Enjoy it. Yeah, exactly. And just enjoy it. Just enjoy enjoy the feeling of optimism again. Enjoy the feeling of, you know, the hope of that the Bears finally found their quarterback. And I don't know, man. I, I, it just, again, this, this it feels different. And it almost, it's funny. It almost kind of feels like, you know, draft night all over again. And every once in a while, I'll go back and kind of rewatch, you know, the draft night and, you know, how it all went down. But it just feels good. It, it feels, and you know, part of it obviously is the Packers thing too, but it just, it feels like maybe just maybe the tides are turning. And again, you know, 2021 isn't the end game. If they're not very good this year, that's okay. Because if they have their quarterback, then things are going to get better in a hurry as we've seen. So I'm yep. again, just, you know, take it in, enjoy it. We're going to, you know, we'll have more next week. And then after that, there'll be a little bit of a lull and then everybody else will get to kind of see what you've been seeing and what all the other media members have been seeing. Yeah, exactly. You know, don't be afraid to be excited. I know we bears fans suffer from a lot of heartbreak at the quarterback position. And I think you're right in the point that it helps that the Packers are going through a little adversity right now. Um, you know, we don't know what the situation is going to end up there, but it, that also helps. And it's just nice to kind of have hope. And I, I said at draft night, I've been telling people they have hope. And that's always a fun thing to have because that means you're not, you know, necessarily fully stuck in quarterback hell all the time. Um, like the bears have been. So Aaron, where uh, can everyone follow you on Twitter at? Yep, you can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL, and you can read my work on thebearreport.com. Yep, you can follow the Bear Report on Twitter at just Bear Report. You can follow me on Twitter at, at ICK underscore Pearson. As Aaron said, next week we'll have a lot more. Three days of um, camp for the Bears. It will be mandatory, so we'll get a little more information there. Um, and please rate, review, subscribe to all or to this podcast and all major podcasting platforms. And until next week, everyone, please stay safe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.